Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that would like to cast a spell to be remembered, let alone forgotten. I'm James. I'm Dan. That was genius. This week, we'll be talking about what we've been watching on various streaming platforms. We have some real news. I hope we've not discussed that in advance. And our main review is Spider-Man. No way, home. <laughs> Sorry. Just loved, loved your introduction, in fact. I apologise right off the bat, James. We didn't go to the cinema together. That was the plan. We were going to watch Spider-Man. And then I uh, thought I had Om- Omicron. And I don't. So, scuppered. Bloody scuppered. But never mind. We both made our way to the cinema in the end, didn't we? Did you, actually? Did you go to the cinema? Yes, yes, we did. But separately. Omicron, the super villain of our time. <laughs> James, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. Have you have you had a good Christmas day? It's been great. It's been very good. The the traffic is always lighter than I expect. That's the, been the highlight up to now. <laughs> Until you're having How's, an absolute cracker. What about your Christmas day? Um, yeah, given that we are both faking it right now and Christmas day has not happened, so far so good. Yeah. And right. I can already say I'm perfectly happy with all my Christmas presents because we've already agreed that neither me or my partner will be buying each other anything. So disappointment guaranteed. Great. Do you know your gift? Yeah. You, you knew your gift. I do know you. I do know my gift. We bought our gifts together. So we know exactly what we're going to get. And my gift has actually been in our living room, in our like couch side basket for two months. Right. <laughs> Just <laughs> still in its plastic plastic cover it's it's a barbell shirt over shirt that you were together no yeah sorry I, I, yeah we know it's, it's definitely there is a separate gift for her i've forgotten what it is great what a partner <laughs> I'm, just gonna, I'm, just, I'm just going to ask what it is because that's going to bother me if i don't ask yeah. i'm back it's a nice black winter coat right okay very good James, forgive me for saying this, and it's not meant as any sort of criticism for your character, but you don't strike me as the most festive sort. How, how much do you entertain Christmas in your household? Do you, do you go for it decorations-wise or not really? We've only had two Christmas decorations in our household up to now. One is a 30-centimetre tree that we got from Marks and Spencers. Another is, is a wreath that you can put a candle inside, a plastic wreath that you put a candle inside. And that's it. But uh, a few weeks ago, the wife bought some fairy lights and my first reaction was, that's fine. And looked at the length and the length of the fairy lights was 25 metres. And I said, that's the length of a swimming pool. <laughs> Why have you got... So I said, we've got to take these back. And she said, I don't know where the receipt is. So she said, she said the receipt is in the bin. And I said, well, I've already thrown the bin out. So I went downstairs, got the bin bag out of the massive bin and rooted through the bin bag, ripped it open to try and get the receipt out. Couldn't find it. Brought the bin up, opened the bin bag in the bathroom, looking through the rece- for the receipt and then found the receipt. So like, we've got to take these back. But it was only at that point that I got the fairy lights out. and realized, actually, they're not that long. This could work. And then we put them all around the living room and they're the perfect length. And I don't think that's 25 meters. 25 metres is a lot. That is like that is the height of a building, right? That's the length of your typical swimming pool. That, that's, that's the exact length of our West Orton High School uh, sports centre swimming pool. Just, just so you know, I'm now trying to imagine lying a house down in a pool to see how it compares, and it's not really working <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, it seems a lot, though. I, I had a similar thing. We didn't buy new Christmas lights, but I had some that I'd put all around the upstairs and I mean all around the upstairs and I mix them up with the ones that I put in the kitchen and I got all the way around the kitchen which is supposed to just stop at the halfway point and I thought why is there like a lot of this left so I just ended up doubling up and going around the full thing but apart from that and a tree that I got out and put no baubles on and did not straighten out the branches that is all I've done this year I am so not festive this year it's untrue I can't even be bothered decorating the tree that just sums this year up for me I, I'm the same. I'm the same. Well, we started off very doom and gloom there. I apologise. So we'll uh, we'll move on. James, anything that you may have mugged yourself over with by not putting in your end of year review that you happened to watch in the last week? No. What no. about you? 
Uh, no. Oh, you. Oh, you. Was that your invitation to? Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. This week, I've been watching a few things. The Wrath of Man, which is available on Amazon Prime in the UK. It's a Guy Ritchie film starring Jayden Statham. A man begins working at a cash truck company and he displays his amazing gun skills during a heist. Who is he really and does he have other motivations? It starts very strong and there's a weird poetry to the camaraderie and locker room banter of the staff that I really liked but it turns into a muddled time jumping story that goes four months earlier three weeks later five months earlier six months later and then it ends and it seems unnecessarily convoluted I'm lost already so yeah and there's a pretty long sequence where Jayton Statham isn't even in it And it could have been a more straightforward, satisfying action film because the cast is good, the dialogue is good, it looks good, but it all gets too messy. The action is there eventually, and it may be worth watching for that if you want a switch your brain off action film. But overall, and perhaps because you had mentioned it and and said that it it may be good, I was disappointed. Oh, quite sorry to hear that. I was still looking forward to it. After my rather ridiculous inclusion of it and my uh what was it box office heroes of the year i thought this was going to smash the top 10 most highest grossing films but uh couldn't be further from the case on that one whoops mm. it's free though yeah, it's free and i was in prime and that's i'd say i'd recommend it but only because it's free right okay would you recommend all terrestrial tv that in mind? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. i would <laughs> Very good. Any especially the, especially the BBC, just constant ad-free, endless content. Oh, do you, but even they've tried it now with ads for their own pro- programs at the beginning. I mean, yes. Thank you, BBC, because you do let me skip it. But I really noticed that when uh, I switched over to Four OD the other day and I had to watch three minutes of adverts. No, thank you. But I'm not signing up to your premium service because that's just taking piss. James, sorry if you wanted to say something. Then. No, it's just breathing into my mouth how dare you james what else have you watched anything that was slightly better than that yes dr brain on apple tv this is apple tv's first korean piece of content it did start a while ago it was releasing weekly it's now concluded i have watched all of it a man who feels no emotion experiences a lot of tragedy in his life but he never actually reacts to it his son dies his wife attempts suicide his father disappears but he buries himself in his brain sink research and he tests his inception like machine and he can use quantum mechanics and sync with the dead gaining access to their memories and when he syncs with a cat he gets some cat like powers which is a quirky nice quirky thing that happens like licking his own ass no not quite no <laughs> Uh, he uses the memories of the various people that he brain syncs with to uncover the truth behind his son's apparent death and all the bad stuff that's happened to him. He gets deeper and deeper into this conspiracy. And there's a bit of police procedural stuff going on because there's a, a female detective that is trying to figure out what's going on because there's some murder going on as well. I liked this a lot. I liked it. I've not seen anything like it before. The brain sync concept brings up some interesting scenes and ideas. The mystery that I've mentioned is is uncovered as you go along. It looks slick, like all Apple content. There's only six episodes. It does start a bit slow, which is why some of the initial reaction to it was bad. But the way the investigation comes together is satisfying. It is exciting when the pace picks up in the last two episodes. And I would recommend it. I'd spied this one as well, uh, just through not a streaming service. I just heard about it, and I thought it was Netflix, so interesting. Do you know if they produce it themselves, or are they buying it off someone? Because you would have thought they'd try and crack America first, and they're really not. Good question. I don't know. Fair enough. Listeners, if you want the answer to that question, Google it. Yeah. The way way it was written about at first, that made me think that it's an Apple-produced show. Mm. I may very well check that out. Anything else? What Christmas films you've been watching? None, actually, none. 
So oh. maybe you'll pick up on that front. Oh, I have started watching Selling Sunset season four, the real estate selling debauched series on Netflix. And I started showing it to my wife and she said, this is stupid. But then halfway through the first episode, she was saying, this is brilliant. <laughs> Let's keep watching. Let's keep watching. Because it is, it is good. What have you been watching? So you you, you alluded to it. I, we've we've done you out of a Christmas episode this year, and and frankly, that's quite irresponsible. So I will be giving you some some little stocking fillers in a minute. But let's start off with a bit of festive cheer. I watched The Hunt for a Killer. Like like many people, I don't just rely on the fine words of you and I for film recommendations, especially not me because. Well, it doesn't make any sense, does it? But I've been looking at another few news sources and, and seeing their end of year reviews. And I think it was The Guardian, they listed The Hunt for a Killer uh, in the top 50. And I thought, oh, it's a bit weird. How's this one slipped by me? Uh, it's a Swedish crime thriller. And like I say, it went under my radar, but I thought I'll give it a whirl. And it's about the investigation, true story, by the way, into a series of killings in Horby, Sweden, that starts in 1984 and carries on for bloody ages, all the way up until 2004. And it's not just about the crime. You get to see the police effectively banging their heads against a brick wall constantly, suffering budget cuts. There's some sneaky political manoeuvrings within the police force and trying to discredit other officers really dedicated officers as well, and it feels a bit sly. It's quite a slow-burning show, um, but it being paced that way, it means that you get quite a good feel for how much of a frustrating and time-consuming journey it was um, for these detectives bringing this killer to justice. It's, it's almost like you can feel the years passing by and the disappointment that they're still no closer to, uh, to catching him. Amidst all that, the killer is... A bit of a knobhead. Um, I'm sure that's not the criminal terminology, but he's he's toying with the police. He's sending them cryptic letters made out of newspaper clippings. He's he's ringing them up, crying, going, "Ooh, I'm responsible, but I feel so lonely." Shut up, you sniffling sack of shit. Um, one thing that did strike me with this is what a dark world we live in, and that's obviously not. A revelation, I know that, but we're talking 30 years ago, and like I said, this is a true story. And the detectives start looking into suspects and they they uncover a ridiculous amount of paedophiles and sexual deviants that all live in this really small community. And that was terrifying because I'm thinking this is well before they had like the enhancements in forensics and, and record management, really. So, how bad is it today? I don't actually want to know. Probably a lot worse. Anyhow, it's really good. Um, I am a bit confused as to why it's one of the top shows of the year because it's it's pretty as you'd expect for this genre, but it is very well presented and, and engaging as a drama. So I would recommend it too. I just don't know. I wouldn't put it in my top five. Where can we watch that? You can watch that on BBC iPlayer. Okay. I was looking for content on BBC iPlayer. That I must have missed that one. Maybe they've got their own algorithm and we know mm. what it's going to recommend me. What else have you been watching? Actually being festive now-ish, last train, the last train to Christmas. This is a Sky original movie that you can catch on No TV or Sky if you're willing to basically sign quite a significant amount of your wage away to that each month. And Michael Sheen stars as a seemingly wealthy businessman who owns a number of nightclubs, uh, which have made him somewhat of a celebrity. And as I'm sure we've all experienced before, he's stuck on a time-travelling train in which he goes from one carriage to another, reliving events from his past. You've, you've had that happen to you, haven't you? Yes, who hasn't? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly my point. Anyway, it's it's very much a character redemption story about writing the wrongs of the past, uh, and it had a bit of a bit reminiscent of Scrooge, I would say. And it seems like he's got quite a lot to make right because the biggest thing here is the relationship that he has with his brother, who is played by Carrie Elwes, who I did not know was British. I thought he was American, 
for all these years. But no, he is British, which is why he gives a very authentic British accent. And there's a lot of sibling rivalry uh, and unresolved issues there. And it leads to it having quite a weirdly somber tone, if I'm honest. I can't say I was having the best of times whilst watching it because it touches on some pretty dark territory and... Yes, there's some comedy in there, but I can't say I laugh that much. Um, there is, however, some things that I really appreciate with this. There's some nice little touches, uh, which I admired. So they go back and forth between these time periods, depending on which carriage he goes into. And the attention to detail is, is quite fun. So one example is that so this, this film is entirely set on this train. And in each carriage, the upholstery on all of the train seats changes in each decade that they go back to. And I thought, oh, that, that's some level of dedication that I wasn't expecting. But then they also kind of shoot it differently. So the quality of the image changes for like the 80s is a bit more grainy and they go to a four by three ratio rather than widescreen. And then there's also like a going back even further, I think it's in the 50s and 60s and it's all shot in black and white. And the music represents that as well it's quite dramatic and very much of that era so i think there's like i said a lot of nice touches that i wasn't quite expecting to be in here it's as the title may suggest trying to pass itself off as being a christmas film but really this has naff all to do with christmas i think they just shoved it in there to coincide with the release and try and attract a few more viewers it's got a sweet end but it's a pretty morbid affair getting there if i'm honest it's quite depressing at points but I still enjoyed it enough to say that I would recommend it. Excellent. Can you tell us the name and where to watch one more time? The Last Train to Christmas on Now TV. Very good. Do you have another piece of festive cheer? Certainly do. It's 8-Bit Christmas, which you can also find on Now TV. And this is a mostly feel-good Christmas film, unlike the last one, were it not for the final five minutes, which had me break down uncontrollably. So... Fair warning with that, but you might not be an emotional snowflake like me, so you might you might be all right. You just have to chance it for yourself. 98% of it is a fun film that is about Neil Patrick Harris in the present day teaching his daughter about the true importance of Christmas. Is it all about consumerism? Of course it is. And the film spends a lot of time cementing that by taking us through a 90-minute journey about 80s kids being obsessed with getting a Super Nintendo for Christmas. And that's what this film is. It's all about how the hell is this kid going to get his hands on a console for Christmas? I, I was sick of hearing the word Super Nintendo by the end. It, it's shoved in a bit too much to the point that I thought, are you sponsoring this or something? And then I thought, well, why... Why would they do this for a console that's now obsolete? Maybe not. Um, it's, it's not hilariously funny, but I was smiling at least to give another percentage, 63% of the time. So there is enough to keep you entertained. And there's a good level of nostalgia in it with references to Cabbage Patch dolls, amongst other things. All in all, a really inoffensive, pleasant little Christmas film. And I know I talked for longer about The Last Trend's Christmas, I think there is a lot more going on in that film, but in terms of Christmas spirit and, and feel good, minus the five minutes at the end, this is the better option for Christmas Day, Boxing Day viewing. Okay. Neil Patrick Harris, did you say? It is it is Neil and not Sean, isn't it? The guy from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. That's and he's in Matrix Resurrections as well. Is he? Could, he is, yeah. Could he sneak in as one of the most mentioned actors of next year? Well Early contender. Yeah. That's it. I'm Christmas Day. I'm not going to watch anything else festive. I'm done with it. Roll on 2022. Should we do real news? Yes, let's. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. In our year in review episode last week, we said that we have the most stunning and unique top 10 lists ever with some obscure films. Well, you ain't heard or seen nothing yet. I was looking at the Hollywood Reporter and the critics pick the best films of 2021. So I'm just going to say some film names and you tell me if you've heard of these films. The Power of the Dog. Netflix film with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. Drive My Car. Korean mystery thriller. 
Yeah. Oh, the souvenir part two. Uh, I've heard of it, but I has it got Tilda Swinton in it? I don't know. I'm just looking at the name. Oh, They've sorry. got Coder on there, which is good. And Spencer. Yes. The lost, the lost daughter. No. Bergman Island. No. Okay, there's there's different critics top tens. Passing. Oh, that's the, that's on Netflix, I think. Parallel Mothers. What are you talking about? Ailey. What? The humans. Just what? That's, that's you know there's. There's the ones that I miss now that we we have heard of, like Summer of Soul and The Green Knight. Uh, compartment number six. No. No, The Lost Daughter again. All light everywhere. Do you know what? I'm quite annoyed now because when you started off that list, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to prove him wrong and know what all these are. But no, no, you win. I'm missing out the ones that I know you will know, like West Side Story comes up a lot. Never heard of it. I'm your man. So, you know, we thought we were... So so cool amongst honor. So that's like that's a selection of films from four different critics' top ten lists. In the honorable mentions is the killing of two lovers. So get us for reviewing that. Yeah, saying it was good. Other ones: Atlantis, Azor, Fever Dream, Procession. Hang on a minute. Like no, still give us credit because this is an American publication, right? So maybe these yes. just haven't reached our shores yet. Maybe oh, maybe yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. Um, do feel slightly out of place, though, because, yeah, I agree. I, th- I thought we were kind of wild and out there, and maybe not. No, we might just be pretty basic after all. Yeah. I still you think might... that no one's mentioned Verona Kenshin. No one. No, no one. No. That that is our oh and hunt I think Rony Kenshin and Hunter Hunter are our claims to being true. Yeah, we're not we're not purposely trying to be out there. We're just they were our genuine films of the year. So on the other side of the spectrum is Empire Magazine's best movies of 2021. Now Empire Magazine named Squid Game as the best TV show of 2021, which is just so basic to say that. <laughs> <laughs> And, and weirdly, I, neither of us picked it. You enjoyed it, didn't you? You you were ahead of the curve on that. Thank I, you. I did, I did, but I didn't watch it and think that's one of the best things of the year. Everyone should go and watch it. I enjoyed it and then moved on. Yeah, unlike most people. Oh, yeah. So, so they've they've got twenty films. One of them is Barb and Star Go to Casta Del Mar. I saw that, and I, I'm not going to lie, I was really really pleased. I thought at least someone's flying the flag for that film because I've felt. So alone, so alone in my recommendation for that film. That was the other one, actually, that I suffered quite a bit of abuse for because a few people watched it and went, what the hell were you thinking? This is absolutely atrocious. So I'm not going to disagree with them on that. Yeah, well, that Empire Magazine went for it. Censor, which I regret not watching. I saw that but did not review it on this podcast. That's the horror film about a woman who basically passes films for certification. Um, and I think it's set in the 70s and 80s. It was a bit too out there for me. I like weird films, but mm, nah, didn't didn't gel with me that one. Okay, yeah, it's all about the video nasty era. Yeah. And they've got Promising Woman, a Woman on there, which is a good choice. The Father, Petit Maman, Petit Maman. It's like, it's like a mix of well-known stuff and obscure stuff it's a very it's a very well-managed list like pig green knight the power of the dog but also another round and titan the palm d'Or winning french film that comes out properly in the uk next year so they've obviously watched that illegally there is and press screenings give them that much <laughs> yeah they've, they've, yeah they've got nomadland and their film of the year is dune oh okay I can see why. Which again, I, it was it was awesome. It was good, but I think putting it as number one is just a bit of a. It's a safe choice. Just yeah. the best, most respectable blockbuster of the year. I I would guess that almost every reader of Empire Magazine absolutely loves Dune. So I agree. It was it was a very very, maybe too safe choice. But there you go. And that's why you shouldn't rely on such media come to us if you want to hear honest and raw opinions yeah you want to seek out alternative media not the lamestream media <laughs> that's not i'll tell you that but that makes us sound like we're a right-wing firebrand youtubers which is not true because youtube's the only 
platform where we do not publish content. Maybe next year. Well, best films of the year dominated this real news segment. But in weeks gone by, it was another thing, wasn't it, James? I don't know what you're getting at. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why do we fail all the time <laughs> doing this? We spoke, we've spoke about Spider-Man within the real news segment like five times in a row. That was my oh, lead-in right. to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's lost cause, this. Absolute lost cause. Should we try again? Yeah. James, I, th- I think it was a bit of a muddled lead-in, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it on the chin. We, oh, should we just review Spider-Man? like to order an opinion, please. This film is new fresh point of view. Promise it back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Spider-Man, No Way Home. Oh, look at this, this is a good one. Some suggest that Parker's powers include the male spider's ability to hypnotize females. Stop, come on. <laughs> yes, my spider lord. <laughs> Can we just like stay up here all day? It is so crazy down there. That's right, folks. Spider-Man is in fact Peter Parker. Listen, I did not kill Mysterio. The drones did. The drones that are yours. Does any part of you feel relieved about all this? What do you mean? Now that everybody knows you don't really have to hide or lie to people. For the record, I never wanted to lie to you. But how do you tell someone that you're Spider-Man? Now everybody knows. But this isn't about me. This is hurting a lot of people. I've just been thinking about how to fix all of this. So, Peter, to what do I owe the pleasure? I'm sorry to bother you, sir. Please, we saved half the universe together. I think we're beyond you calling me, sir. Okay, Steven. That feels weird, but I'll allow it. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, our friendly neighborhood web slinger is unmasked and no longer able to separate his normal life as Peter Parker from the high stakes of being a superhero. When Peter asks for help from Doctor Strange, the stakes become even more dangerous, forcing him to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. Don't say it like that. You want me to say it with the hyphen? I just don't want you to say Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> you speak however you want. Daniel, what did you think of Spider-Man? No way home. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I think it's important to put this disclaimer before each and every Marvel film so that I don't get crucified. I'm not a hardcore Marvel fan. I have enjoyed many of the films, but I'm not deep into the, at this stage, ridiculously deep lore or mythology that comes with this universe as for spider-man i consumed a bit of the animated series when i was younger i read a few comics but the vast majority of my knowledge or experience of the character comes from the sam raimi films i would say i do like spider-man as a character though i'm sure at some point in my childhood i wanted to be him so in some shape or form he has been there my entire life so i do have an attachment to him but i'm not claiming to be one of those I don't know what you'd call them without it sounding offensive. I don't know. I'm just not one of those people who is obsessed with Webhead. Webhead. Let's go with that. Not a webhead. Yeah. Um, Given where I'm at from a superhero film fatigue point of view, which we have discussed previously, and the fact that we've been covering the rumour mill around this film for the best part of two months, I I just didn't really care all that much about watching this. I can't even say I was bowled over with the previous two films in the trilogy either. They're okay, but nothing blew me away. So with that in mind, I'll get into it. And to ensure that we definitely lose listeners, we'll start off with the bad stuff. So this is the most wafer-thin plot of any Marvel film I've ever seen. I could not believe how basic it was. Added to that, the plot demands that you do not read into Spider-Man's horrendous judgment calls that he makes multiple times throughout the runtime. You're just supposed to buy it. And believe me, I did try, but I walked away from this film thinking, dear Lord, boy, what a silly little Spider-Man you are. It just felt that motivationally in terms of Peter Parker and what drives him to make the decisions he does is really weak. 
Now, that is a negative, but at the same time, I'm halfway forgiving of it because if you remember when we talked about this film within one of the many real news segments, my thoughts on it were they've bitten off more than they can chew. This is going to be a complete and utter mess. And I genuinely think that this is far from a mess of a film. I think if you factor in the scale and ambition of what they're trying to achieve, it is a full-on miracle that it's as coherent as it is. Another plus point, coupled with a negative, because I just can't help being pessimistic, this is a very strong film from a comedic standpoint. I, I think a lot of the laughs are consistent, the jokes are funny, but I couldn't help feeling that this is a better comedy than it is an action film. I actually think the action is borderline nonsensical at points. I had no idea positionally where people were during fight scenes, sequences, and it just wasn't very well choreographed, especially when you stack it up against something like Shang-Chi, which I know is a very different form of fighting, but it had some really memorable and well-thought-out fights. That being said, it's not to say that, you know, the settings where the battles take place, they're visually interesting and appealing, Then it's not... It's just that the combat was a little bit me. Um, I've not even touched on the acting, but it's almost impossible to discuss anything further without going into spoilers. But let's let's just say this is this is unabashed fan fulfillment, and I think accepting it for what it is, and trying not to be cynical for the sake of it, I think it does a really good job of pandering to the audience and giving them exactly what they want. And you know, is is that such a bad thing? I guess the way I felt leaving the cinema, I felt satisfied and pleasantly surprised. So I would argue, no, it's not always a bad thing. If it's done from a place of love, which I genuinely think this film is, then it can be a fine thing. So I wouldn't blame anyone for being confused with that review that I've just given. <laughs> but that's that's my feelings on Spider-Man No Way Home. James, what about you? I think that was a very well-balanced review. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I would struggle to really disagree with the negatives you've brought up. I declared Marvel fatigue, but just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. It's Godfather Part 3. And it's because this film doesn't feel like a current year Marvel film. It's made for enjoyment and paying off character arcs, not ticking boxes and setting up future films, even though it does clearly do that with a literal trailer at the end of the film my expectations were low because i thought this would be all about the cameos and not the story i didn't think they could top the spider wars from the 90s cartoon but it is absolutely about the characters tom holland stays in the center of the film it's very clearly about him dealing with the impact that spider-man has on his family and friends which is always what has made spider-man good not Iron Boy nanotech suits. There's an energy to it that no other Marvel content this year has had, with the possible exception of Elizabeth Olsen's performance in WandaVision. It starts with the secret identity reveal from previous film, and it's all frantic when Peter goes home and he's closing the blinds to hide the situation from Aunt May. And then there's the chaos of the multiversal incursions that builds up nicely and the last hour it has umph the camera's flipping around and people are running and panicking about things it's not like eternals just people walking slowly from one location to the other even say in one scene where they're just sat around the dining table just talking about peter parker's legal situation someone throws a brick through a window just to remind you of what's going on in the world there were moments when I was grinning to myself because I couldn't believe what I was seeing I can't believe they've actually made this and it's not possible to continue that thought without going into spoilers so skip and this film brings so much pure joy i want to think of something bad to say to balance things out but you've, you've done that very well i think you're right about the negative points even mj and ned were entertaining and not annoying when they're inserted into the final action scene in a very mcu way I think they overpromised on some things, like the bridge scene in the trailer with Doc Ock and Green Oblin isn't much more than what is in the trailer. There are other characters that don't contribute very much, but I feel like no one cares about those characters anyway, so it's fine. But I was shocked at how much I liked it. It benefited from me having low expectations because I thought it would be pure 
fan service cameos with no story. But the the of the critics consensus, I think, is right. The early consensus was that it has that emotional core to it. And I agree. Yeah, and, and hearing your infectious positive review about it is just a reminder of probably what I should have spent more time talking about because I I did have a really fun time watching this. I did like getting away from the whole, oh, I can pick a hole in this and I can pick a hole in this, which I don't aim to go into a film and do, but it was like glaringly obvious to me. If I just ignore that, which I did try to do a lot of the time, and irrespective of it, it is a really, really good fun time and I'm not going to even try and deny it that it completely succeeds from that point of view so ju- just to solidify that and not come across overly negative problems aside it is a rip-roaringly fun time to be had yeah that's right you could nitpick it it's definitely possible to nitpick it one of my favoured YouTube channels has an eight and a half hour raw <laughs> live stream video and I'll skip through little bits of it and it, it it's not they were nitpicking it, which is a good thing about that channel. But one one thing that I, that is in the trailer that I'm not keen on is the fact that the multiverse ripping comes from Doctor Strange botching a spell because Peter Parker's talking as he does the spell. Why not just talk about what the spell's going to be in depth before you actually start casting it? Like it's a pretty it's a pretty basic error, and that's what causes the whole. Th- film and that's what causes this massive disaster it's like that was just a really irresponsible and stupid thing to do for both of you i i could not agree more with you on that and i think that's the thing that i was hung up on for quite a while i thought if you're going to do something of this magnitude think it through first don't just do it on a whim that's just that's just irresponsible (laughs) um but that being said you could argue that that there was maybe a better way to do this, but had those events not happened, you wouldn't have the rest of the film. So it needed to, in some way, materialise, but but possibly not how it ended up doing so. The yeah. Film. The way it actually works in, in the film is better than it is in the trailer and the way we're talking about it, because it does have this really quick pace to it. It's like Tom Holland's character is just pushing everything fast. It's like put forward so quickly that it all ends up being a bit chaotic. But from Doctor Strange's perspective, like why would he not create a, a sterile environment to do such a dangerous thing? Yeah. James, would you recommend Spider-Man No Way Home? Yes, I would. Daniel, would you recommend Spider-Man No Way Home? Yes, I would. Do you have any general thoughts? Because I don't. It's, it's very difficult to talk about without spoilers. It is. So why don't we get there right now? Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. So there are there are things that have been spoiled, but is it a really spoiler when it was more or less confirmed beforehand that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in it? So we'll share our thoughts about that, shall we? Yeah, first off, you're right. It was pretty much a given, but was there any slight bit of you that thought, mm, I still don't know? Or were you like, no, yeah. I know it's happening? There was 5% of me that thought they might actually not have them back. Yeah. But 95% of me thought they, would not, they wouldn't do this idea without bringing the other two back. And they can definitely afford them. So why wouldn't, why not? And, and I wasn't that stupid. I didn't think that like well into the film going, oh, maybe not. But I think the clever little thing that they do is the amount in which they utilise the villains from the previous films makes you go... Maybe they don't have them because they're actually using them so much. Um, so it left a bit of a shred of doubt there, I think, for me. But at the same time, I was pretty much, you know, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, um, and, they, and when they do come back, they're in it for the full hour. And I was surprised by how much they do. They're actually characters in the film. So Tobey Maguire, first off, it was good to see him. I just watched Spider-Man 2 again last week, the best Spider-Man film. And he delivers the goods. He doesn't just turn up. But, and I want to know what you think about this, Andrew Garfield really surprised me. He's obviously a good actor. We just watched Tick, Tick, Boom recently. He's a very, very good actor. But he brings more to this than a superhero film really deserves. He's really, really good in it. Like When he recalls Gwen Stacy dying, 
and how he couldn't serve her. He really goes for it. It's just a 20 minute, it's just a 20 second scene where he just describes something and he really goes for it and he's crying and he does the quirky awkwardness of the version of the character that he had, but in a charming way that makes him likable and stand out as a different character from Tom Holland. It was surprising how much both of them did and how different they made them. They were three different characters. Oh, completely. Again, I couldn't agree with you more. I actually think Andrew Garfield makes a really good case in this film for why he was not the problem within his phase of films. It, it was the scripts that let him down, and I think he just was dealt a really, really shit hand um, because he's so he's just so good in it. Every, every time he appeared on screen, I was like, I, I, I'm loving your energy that you bring into this, and I even found him more controversial, engaging to watch than someone like Tom Holland because he is just so animated. It's part of that character and, and the you know way in which he played him. It, it was very much like that in his run of films, but he was the best thing about him. And I'm glad that we got to see that again and he got a bit of a final shot at redemption. Um, yeah, it was it was a like a, it was a meta redemption where he the the character was redeemed because he gets to save MJ at the yeah. end, which is a carrying on from his amazing Spider-Man 2 story. But Andrew Garfield, that iteration of the character is redeemed by being a really good performance in a really good film. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from Tobey Maguire in this, but he does bring the goods, but he brings the goods as far as he did in his set of films. And I I still think he's probably the most uncharismatic of all three of them. (laughs) But he remains true to that character. So I can't ask for any more. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't, because I just watched Spider-Man 2 recently, he doesn't really do any more or less than he did in his own films. And it, the 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 contrast is highlighted most starkly in that scene that I mentioned where Tom Holland is grieving for Aunt May. And then he says, don't tell me that you understand. And then Tobey Maguire says, well, Uncle Ben died. Yeah. And then Andrew Garfield does this Oscar reel crying scene about uh, Gwen dying. It's such a massive contrast. But that's just who they are as actors and it's who the characters are, so it makes sense. And I really loved the interaction between them all as well. I thought it was so well done, the way it was scripted. There was like references to like the web... What are they called? Web shooters. Web shooters, yeah, and them being very different between the Tom Maguire character and Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. Uh, it was just very tongue-in-cheek, and they knew that they were kind of like playing with the absurdity of it quite a bit, and I thought there was a lot of fun to be had in those moments. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and because they had an hour to play with, they did interact quite a lot. Like when they were all doing sciencey stuff together in the lab, there was a lot of good interaction there. But yeah, that scene where they're all in their costumes, comparing villains with each other as well, saying that they fought an alien. <laughs> well, I fought an alien, and I didn't fight an alien. And Andrew Garfield says, "I'm, I'm lame. I'm lame." Which again, that to me was a reference to his films being lame. <laughs> oh. I don't know whether that was intentional or not, but that's what I thought it was. But that it was just it was it was better it was better than it had any right to be. I couldn't I just couldn't I was grinning just thinking I can't I can't believe you've done this and I can't believe it's this good. Yeah, and it and it extends as far as the villains as well. But like what what did you say before? Something about you thought it'd be more about the cameos than the story, and I, I would argue it, it is. But they're not cameos in either situation, whether it's the villains or the Spider Man, and that just within itself had so much entertainment that that's why I can look past the misgivings that I've got with it because it is, it's just so downright fun. It really, really is. And even with the villains though, what I was alluding to before was Lizard doesn't contribute much, but like no one cares about Lizard or his film, so it's fine. And Sandman is sort of in the background, but Doc Ock and Green Goblin and Electro I was surprised by how much they were in it. Like you were saying, they're actually characters in the film. They go to uh, the apartment and help make the cures and stuff. And like Alquid Marina, Molina, is given a lot of screen time. And I think that's an acknowledgement that he was the best Spider-Man villain. And he has that relationship with Peter. He's got a lot to say. He's like the good villain. And on the other side, there's Green Goblin, who's 
the bad villain eventually. And then in the middle, there's Electro. And even with Electro, who was from Amazing Spider-Man 2, which killed Andrew Garfield's <laughs> franchise, like even Electro is a good character because he has moments where you don't know which way he's going to go. He's mm. constantly uncertain about whether he wants to be cured or whether he wants the power of this new world. That, that's, and that's more than a cameo, and that's what shocked me. Yeah. And that's, that's what I really respect this film for, is it just didn't rely on, oh, they're here, that's enough. Even I would say, I agree with you that Sandman and Blizzard are less prominent, but they're still, you know, every now and again, they crop up, they are there pretty much the entirety of the film. They're not forgotten about it. It's not a blink and you'll miss it. Oh, yeah, we've done that. Take, move on, next cameo. Everybody gets a moment of some description, and I think it's quite admirable that they made the effort to do that for each and every character. Um, and even, like you said before, if we obviously move away from that spoiler a bit that, that we've not been able to talk about uh, in the main review, the surrounding cast, like, I couldn't... Sick of saying I couldn't agree with you more, but Zendaya, I don't know whether my memory's just really poor of the previous two films, but she had no impact for me in those two. And in this, like, I found her really funny. I thought she had, like, a lot of charm and personality about her. Just vastly different from what came before and I, I just thought that there's an attention been put in there on that sort of thing so that everyone shines yeah i agree about zendaya because in the previous two films i think I've, I've only watched but either of them once but she's more like of a standoffish too cool for school character that's her gimmick when mm. it gets a bit annoying but in this film because she's fully in a relationship with peter she opens up a bit more and it really helps make her character more likable. And I'm glad that Doctor Strange isn't in it very much as well. I do like him, but if he was there as well, I think that would have overwhelmed things a bit. And that, again, is what makes it less of an MCU film because Doctor Strange gets shoved in a portal and he's left there until the end. Yeah. So go, go on, let's, let's let's put our necks on the line, James. Who's the, who's the best Spider-Man? Choose. Based on, based on this and everything we've just said, Andrew Garfield. I'm I'm right I'm right there with you. I, I do I do like Tom Holland. He's a re, he's a good actor, but there's there's something not quite right. Tom Tom Toby Maguire has the best films. Yeah, ignoring three, but yeah. Yeah, but Tom Holland has is surrounded by the success of the MCU, so he has that glow. So they all have their own thing going on. Mm. And and you know let's not ignore it. I think Tom Holland has the most to do in this film i think from an acting standpoint and you know he has to emote a fair bit and i would say he emotes very well very well so i'm, I'm not saying you shit why you're not andrew garfield but i just think yeah he's he's got the edge for me so shall we just quickly run down the key third act plot points yes in more traditional spoiler review fashion so at may dies I really like the spider sense build up to that where Peter Parker knows something is right. Green Goblin is evil. Aunt May dies. Great power, great responsibility. The three Spider-Men help make the cures for all the villains. All the villains get injected with the vaccine. Andrew Garfield saves MJ, redeems himself. They win the day. Doctor Strange casts a spell that makes everyone forget Tom Holland, Peter Parker in the end to save everyone the grief of knowing who Spider-Man is and to stop the multiverse coming in and wrecking everything. And he decides not, Spider-Man decides not to reintroduce himself to MJ and he becomes an, an anonymous New York superhero. And that's that's the story. Yeah, a bit, bit, of, a, bit of a bittersweet ending, really, wasn't it? Quite heartbreaking. Yeah. Um... But if we kind of break those events down, I want to start off with the spell, right? So this didn't occur to me. I did think, hang on, you are rushing this through. You have not thought about it. But somebody at work said, why didn't he just will Mysterio into non-existence? Then he would never have been revealed to Spider-Man. You've done the wrong spell. And I thought, oh, I, I cannot argue with that. That is a very good point. That is a very, very good point. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. Just erase, erase the past. 48 hours but i think part of what part of what's going on is is that they have to explain 
Spider-Man not being in the MCU because of the intellectual property ownership situation <laughs> between Sony and Marvel. So it's, it's like they're casting a spell for legal reasons <laughs> because we can't have Spider-Man anymore. We are contractually obliged to carry out this magic spell. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what it, that's what it was. Oh, which is a shame when you kind of break that down and understand that that's that's probably what's happening. But, um, but yeah, it is it is some of those things that, and I don't I don't want to just dwell on, on the the bits that I didn't like because it is more than anything else a really fun experience. But when I said motivationally, it didn't make sense to me, and the catalyst to get to where we get to i didn't like it this whole thing the fate of the world rests on peter parker wanting to get into college like that's just so pathetic it's not me enough to deserve that i'm sure they could have come up with something different and expanding on that i don't understand why he feels compelled to save these villains like explaining it away and say my aunt may said that people deserve a second chance give me a break Come on, that is, again, pathetic. It's not enough. I, I did thought, sod it, right, forget about that, it's fine, because I'm having a good time. But it was quite weak, do you not think? Yeah, yeah. What What do you mean by the fate of the world rests on his college admission? I don't understand what you mean by that. So, oh, well, no, he, he risks... Obviously, not to know that, because he just thinks the spell is, oh, let's just forget things, but I'll forget that he is Spider-Man, but... He risks the fate of the world because he wants to get into college. I just yeah, don't. I see. Yeah, yeah. But in defence of that, I think that's it's true to Spider Man in that it's it's a more personal thing and it's to do with his Peter Parker life and his friends. I think that's what they were going for. What was the second thing that you said about the villains? Yes, curing the villains. Why does he want to cure the villains? Uh, yeah, I mean people have been deplatformed for less than what these <laughs> villains have done, but. Tom Holland wants to do, um, serve them. And it's, it's even more weird because Doctor Strange has that magic box where say, if we press this button, they'll all go back to their realm and the film will end. Yeah. So and then that... Spider-Man has to fight Doctor Strange to make the film last the one hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And that, that was the other thing that was looming over it constantly. And I, I'm acutely aware that someone presses that box and the film ends shorter, but any point in time, it made sense to press that button and nobody does it. And, and it, it was slightly grating on me. Thank the good Lord that they had so much peppered into this film to make me try and forget that because otherwise I, I think I would have thought it unforgivable, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And even, even then... When they do do the cures and each character has the moments of redemption. I think Green Green Goblin, he becomes good in the end, a good-hearted man, does he? Yeah, he gets cured at the very end yeah. after he's just stabbed Tommy Maguire. Are we to assume then that they get sent back to their own universes? They resume their lives in the moment before death, but then like, they have one second of life being not evil, but still get immediately murdered. I mean, do they ever actually explain how Green Goblin comes back when he's already dead? Is that explained? Because I can't remember. Yeah, it's they, they all. They're, I think they're all. They're all coming from different points in time. Right. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. And space. So that's that's how they're able to come back. But but how does Tobey Maguire come back older? Therefore, you know, showing that there's been a passage of time, which would indicate that Green Goblin's already dead, unless they're in two separate universes. Yeah, yeah, because they, they they have that one explanation for why the villains are all able to come back because they've come back before they die, but they don't explain. Yeah, you're right. They don't explain why Peter, the other two Peter Parkers, come back at different points. Yeah. Anyway, no. Let's let's not. Yes, yeah, they, they just don't explain it. But yes, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. And and you know what? As like I say, there's problems, but I think they're juggling so much that something had to drop. They had to compromise on something. And you know what? It's a pretty big thing ordinarily. They drop the plot a bit, but it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. They do they do enough explanation of those things to make you forget about it and continue enjoying the fun. And there is a lot of fun to enjoy. And not, not to go on about that too much, but how did you feel from a... Like, did you feel catered for 
or two in this film. Because... Do you mean catered or pandered? No, let's go with catered too. Did you feel that? Yeah, I, I, fe- I felt catered too. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right about the action not being as inspired as, as previous action films of this year. But I felt catered too. I felt represented. As a, as a straight white male. Yes, yes. <laughs> what about you? Did you feel catered to? I, I did, and I think that's why I'm so forgiving of the film, because, like I said, it is not... I've not come at this from a, ooh, I have such deep love for the character. This is how it should... This is how Spider-Man and Peter Parker should be represented. That's what's inherent in the character. But I felt so included in this because, as a casual fan or not, I've I've grown up... Well, we both have with these films, with these various run of films. And it was just like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, from 20 years ago, I'm reliving that version of Spider-Man now, and it felt like I'm actually, like, getting a bit tingly here on my arm standing up. But I thought it was a level of nostalgia that I was not expecting in this. And, like I said, I just felt so included and felt like I'd seen something quite special, I suppose. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, really love that. You know, this film brought me that feeling, I suppose you, you could say. Yeah, it is a miracle, like you say. They have the justification in story with Doctor Strange's multiverse powers and the technology to bring back these old actors and de-age them. What mm. a world. What a world indeed. Just curious, did you get any whoops or cheers in the audience? Because there's been quite a lot of uh, news coverage on that front. Recently, yeah, even know. even in non-American screenings, when Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire came back, there were there were gasps of surprise and relief. What about you? Uh, I just obviously had a very emotionally dead audience because I got nothing. Oh, that's not true. That is not true. Little side anecdote. Don't know if I told you. Do you remember Ghostbusters Afterlife? I went watching it, and there was a guy who, in the pivotal final moment where a character reappears. He started sobbing uncontrollably and had to leave the cinema. Do you remember this? You didn't tell me that. That's that's embarrassing. It, it was embarrassing and a little bit too much. Uh, it was like, <laughs> it was weird. Uh, anyway, walked into this screening, same guy on the front row. And I thought, oh, I hope there's nothing terribly emotional in this film. Gets to the scene with Aunt Mare, it starts again. This guy absolutely crying his eyes out and ran out of the theatre. And I thought, what is what is with this emotionally unstable guy? Why does he keep putting himself through this, paying £10 for the privilege of having to leave a film halfway through? It was just... <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh, um, but I just found it a bit strange. And I pray to God, if I'm honest, that he's not in my next screening because it's starting to feel a bit like stalking at this point. Yeah. Back to the film... Aunt May dies, Marissa Tomei. Oh, my God. She's 57. She's 57. She looks about 18. That's exaggerating a bit too much. But, yeah, were you surprised that she met her fate in this? Did you care? I cared. I wasn't surprised. I don't know why I wasn't surprised, but I felt like they might be heading towards this being the last Tom Holland film, so they have to do something. Mm. And that's what they did. They need to give some sort of punch to it. And at what point did you realise, yeah, you're not pulling the wool over my eyes. There's been a grenade set off. She's got up. She seems fine. I'm not buying that. She's going to be dead in a few minutes. It was when the the glider flew into her back and it seemed like she's taken quite a hit there. I I think she'll probably die from that, which I thought that was, um, it might not have been intentional, but that was a bit like poetry. Green Goblin is killed with the glider flying into him mm. just that the glider is an effective weapon i suppose when she is saying i'm okay i thought she's not okay because she's, she's gonna do the collapse to the floor and have the pg-13 version of seeing someone's guts falling out just a off-camera glance a slightly bloody hand to indicate that her intestines are pouring out of her open gut uh, yeah and uh, I can't imagine why. Um, probably a result of cancel culture, but no, James Franco in this movie, he didn't. He didn't reappear. So. 
No. The no. only one who I didn't. Think the only one, but, 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 you can't have two Green Goblins in the same film. Every other fucker were in it. Yeah, but there's a, there's a Green Goblin in Amazing Spider-Man as well that is really rubbish and no one remembers it, but he, he flies around and he gets, like, poisoned by Green Goblin juice or something. I'd completely forgotten about that. Who plays him? Dane Cook. DeHaan. Ah, oh, yeah, I do know what you mean. If James Franco was in it, you'd have to have two Green Goblins flying around it. It would, it just, you'd, it'd be, that would just be too much to deal with. Yeah. Because no, father no, no. and son meet each other and it would just, ugh, Yeah, I much. agree. They, they were already playing with it far more than enough, so it's fine that he's not here. I yeah. just thought I'd make it. And a Tobey Maguire's Venom wasn't in it either. Well, there's, there's probably something that's, you know, again, legal reason why. Because don't they, like, I didn't realise this. So let, let's get to it now, because we were talking about this one a lot, but there's a lot to discuss. End title sequences, or mid-credit sequences, sorry, should I say. The end of Venom, like the carnage, there is the, oh, Venom's in the Spider-Man universe scene. Is this confirmation that all that hype about that happening, they just completely take away from us within a minute? Yeah, completely yeah. gone. And I, th- and I think I owe you £5, because I think I said he's going to be in it, and you said, no, he's not, he's not. And I think, on balance, I think you win the bet because even though Tom Maguire, what's his name? Tom. Oh God, what is Hardy? Yeah, Tom Hardy. He is in it. It is a cop out, and he's actually not in it really. But I, I thought Venom would be fighting in this film, but he's not. And yeah. you and I was wrong on that. Yeah, they do just cop out. He basically, it's maybe in keeping with the character though. He just turns up, goes out drinking, doesn't do anything, then gets sent back. Which is a he no longer exists in that universe and he doesn't know who Peter Parker or Spider-Man is, isn't it? Just like the rest of the world. Yes, it is, yeah. But he leaves behind a little bit of Sibmiot, so there's the opportunity. Pending, ongoing uh, IP (laughs) contract, legal discussion between Marvel and Sony, they could still do Venom in that storyline. But I think the reason that he is there, someone has pointed out that the Sibmiot, and I think there there is a line about it, about him knowing things about different worlds. The alien symbiotes, they have like interdimensional knowledge or something. So the symbiotes share knowledge with other symbiotes, like the Tobey Maguire symbiote, who does know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So that's why Tom Hardy's Venom knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And that is the explanation for why he gets pulled through. Right, okay, I see, I see. And then... We get the very end credits, after credits sequence, which is, I don't think I've ever seen this before, just a trailer. I'm so, sure this is a first, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a trailer. It's a it, trailer. It felt so weird. I thought, what, what's going on here? Um, I don't know. And I was a bit like, oh, really quite pissed off that I've stayed for this, if I'm honest. I could have just waited another, I don't know, two, three weeks, and I would have just got the trailer, which I'm sure has all this in. Um, but yeah, anyway, there you go. Very odd. And again, with that one, I was sort of bothered about seeing Doctor Strange 2. But then in that trailer, as soon as Elizabeth Olsen turned around, I thought, yes, I want to see this film. Do you know what? I think, like you said, this has kind of reignited a bit of, do you know what? I'll give you another few films at least and, and see it through uh, for the big tempo ones anyway. Because um, this was this was rather really good. So, well, there may be no way home for Spider-Man, but given time constraints and everyday living, me and James, we have to go home now. So, James, please do tell me what are we reviewing next week. I know, but tell the audience. The Matrix Resurrections. Oh yes, I cannot wait for that poorly reviewed film. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you wish to leave us any feedback, please do so at in the Isles podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at in the Isles podcast. And as ever, please do leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes. It really does help. James, any passing thoughts or ending thoughts, should I say? If you have no way home, just use Google Maps on your phone. You've got a phone. Don't come over to me asking where Oxford Road is. 
I can see the phone in your hand. I can only assume you're speaking from personal experience. What if your phone's dead? Still don't approach you? Are you going to be that don't, guy? Don't approach me. Don't approach me. I can, he was on the phone as he was asking me where to go. Oh, 